Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. And, you know, I'm already learning stuff, and the show hasn't even started. But right before the show, my guest, Dr. Randy Nelson, who's in studio with me right now, is already teaching me things. And so I'm already learning. And we're in our Red Word series, which means the words of Jesus. And Randy's going to talk today about uh, Luke and the story of the Good Samaritan. We find that in Luke chapter 10, and it's uh, about six verses I think we're going to focus on today, 30 through 37. Is that right? Yeah, 30 through 30, 30, 30 through 35. 35, okay, so just five verses today. Anyway, I'm glad you're here, and I, I've always, I'm excited when you can make time to be here, because I learn so much, and I will just give uh, my audience a quick a heads up on who you are. You're the professor of New Testament studies here at the University of Northwestern. And so we're going to learn from uh, a professor today. Always love that. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So how do we tackle this one? Should, should we do some reading first? Do you want to do verse by verse? Do you want to read all five verses at once? What do you think? Well, uh, how, how about we <clears throat> do a little bit of literary context and then we read the passage because I think it sets the stage for the passage. I am your caddy. All right. So yeah. it, it, uh, the context, we've got a scribe, comes to Jesus. A scribe is basically a copyist. You copy something enough times, you become an expert in it. So sometimes it's translated as an expert in the law. Our lawyer comes to Jesus and we're told that his motive is not sincere. Uh, he comes to test Jesus and he asks a good, good question. It's the same question that the rich young ruler asked Jesus. What must they do to inherit eternal life? Uh, and it seems that this man, as well as the good or the rich young ruler, had kind of a um, a works based theology. And with that kind of a theology, you can never have assurance of salvation. So he wants this assurance, and he asks Jesus, you know, what he needs to do. Uh, and Jesus says, well, what's written in the law? And and the man seems to know Jesus is teaching because he says, love God and love neighbor, right? So he gets mm-hmm. it right, and Jesus says, yeah, do this and you'll live. And the man wants to justify himself, and so he asks this question, who is my neighbor? Uh, and I suppose if you were to ask most Jews in the first century, they would say, uh, my neighbor is somebody of the same ethnicity as me. My fellow Jew is my neighbor. I suppose if you ask an American today who my neighbor is, they'd say, well, somebody who lives in my block, you know, mm-hmm. somebody who lives uh, uh, proximity to me. So that sets the stage. So the question Jesus is going to answer with this parable is, who is my neighbor? But as we're going to find out, he actually answers a more important question. You're going to have to wait to find that out. So let's let's read that Cliffhanger? Parable. Yeah. You're already building in cliffhangers? I, I love doing that, yeah. Oh, my. That is, <laughs> I love it. So this is NIV. Uh, when I was a student here at Northwestern, I would only do the NASB because it was the most literal. And then I was a youth pastor for six years and realized that these kids don't get the NASB. So I went to the NIV, and I've been there ever since. So uh, here it is. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds 
pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And then uh, we'll follow up the ending. The ending's uh, really uh, curious because Jesus wants to, to make sure that this guy gets it, but the story is so important uh, because here we have some religious leaders that should do the right thing, but they don't do the right thing. They're kind of like the Pharisees. Uh, Jesus told uh, the Jews that they need to uh, uh, obey the Pharisees, but don't do what they do because they don't practice what they preach. Mm-hmm. And so here we have a couple of the religious leaders, priest and Levite. They see this man, and he's coming from Jerusalem to Jericho, so he's probably a fellow Jew, but they don't do anything. Now, if you're in my class and you're one of my sharper students, you'd say, why don't they do anything? Mm-hmm. And I say, the text doesn't tell us. Okay. <laughs> uh, All right. And so there's some ambiguity there. We can guess, you know, maybe they were uh, concerned about uh, ritual purity, those kinds of things. Maybe they didn't want to be inconvenienced. Maybe they're concerned that the robbers were uh, still around. Uh, to be honest, there really is no good reason for them right. not helping. And I think that's why the, the reason's not stated. Okay. So uh, the, the Samaritan... Uh, he sees the man, uh, and like the other two, he happens across him. He doesn't look for the man, but he happens across him. God puts him in his path, uh, and we're told that the man has pity on the guy who's been waylaid by robbers. And the word for pity there is my favorite Greek word ever. It's just fun to say. Splagnitsomai. Splagnitsomai? Yeah, there's a G and a CH in there, splagnitsomai, uh, and it means to feel lower intestines. Uh, or are to feel bowels, and uh, that sounds kind of gross and awkward, but the, the bowels in antiquity were considered the the place of um, compassion, empathy, mercy, those kinds of things. And so this man feels compassion, and what's, I think, really important about this word, it's not uh, mere sentimentality. Uh, it's not just feeling something that, and then not doing anything about it. Uh, the man felt concern, genuine concern for this guy who's been waylaid, uh, and then he cares for him. It's it's love in action. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons I like the word. Uh, this same word is used two other times in Luke. Uh, one is when Jesus goes to this small town of Nain. Uh, there's a funeral procession coming out of the town, and it's the only the the last son of a widow. Uh, and Jesus feels compassion for this widow, and he raises the son from the dead. And the other time it occurs is in the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, the prodigal son has squandered his inheritance. He comes back home, not quite sure how he's going to find dad. Uh, dad should be upset, but here's dad, sees him coming from a distance, and he feels what? Splachnutzomai from him, and he goes running, something that would have been undignified for a first-century mm-hmm. Jewish father. He's the patriarch. He drops everything. He goes running out to his son, and I, I, this image to me is so wonderful. When we come to Jesus, when we come to our Heavenly Father, how are we going to find them? They feel compassion for us. Uh, it's inviting. And so this Samaritan, uh, and again, Samaritans were hated by the Jews. They were half-breeds. And, of course, the Samaritans reciprocated, hated the Jews right back. Uh, but Jesus makes the Samaritan the good guy in the story. He's the protagonist. Mm-hmm. He does the right thing. Uh, he does what the Levite and the priest should have done. Uh, they should have helped the man. And uh, what's interesting about this is the way he helps the man, he goes above and beyond. Uh, he invests time and money uh, his love is unconditional. His love is generous for this man, and he's willing to come back, uh, even to pay additional uh, money uh, if if it's needed. Hmm. 
Dr. Randy Nelson is my guest, and what what's in it for him? Absolutely nothing. Wow. There's, yeah, there's nothing in it. So typically when you and I see somebody in need, uh, we, we start to make judgments. Now, is this person in need because they've placed themselves in the situation? Maybe they've squandered their money. Maybe they put themselves in a bad environment. Maybe they deserve what has happened to them, and we make these judgments. And then we wonder if we have the time, the energy, the money to invest in it. This man put all that stuff aside. His primary concern was this man that is left half dead. Uh, and his responsibility to take care of the man. Uh, this is what it means to be a follower of Christ, to love our neighbors ourself, to uh, be concerned for people uh, as much as we'd want them to be concerned for us. In fact, I think this parable is a wonderful illustration of, of the, um, the golden rule. Uh, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are people who say that the golden rule is found in other religions. It's, it's not really true. Uh, what you find in other religions is what's called the silver rule, don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. That's that's different. Ooh, okay. So I'm not going to injure you because I don't want you to injure me. Yeah. But what Jesus is saying is do to others what you would have them do to you. This is being proactive. It's being generous in your kindness. It's the way our Heavenly Father is merciful to us. This is the kind of mercy we should show to others. It's not easy. I, I wish it were, but it's not easy. But I think this illustrates the golden rule of doing to others as we'd have them do to you. It doesn't come natural, mm-hmm. uh, and it takes effort to do it, but I think this is exactly what Jesus wants us to do. Randy, when you talk about the golden rule, do unto others as you know they would do unto you, I sometimes ask myself, am I willing to put the same amount of energy into helping and meeting the needs of others as I am meeting the needs of myself? And, and, the answer is a big fat no. Uh, it is, yeah, and, and and I agree. I think part of that is self-love is okay. I, I, I think that, you know, we're called to self-denial, but I don't think we're called to not love ourselves. Loving our neighbor as ourself assumes that we love ourselves. Uh, but to put others first, that's the harder thing. It, it, it goes against our natural tendency, even as Christians, mm-hmm. uh, to put others first. Now, when it comes to family members, uh Friends, uh, people who are close to us, it's a lot easier to uh, to love the lovable. It's uh, a lot harder to love those who are less than lovable, mm-hmm. and it's hard to love strangers. You don't know them. Yeah, it's true. So I think when I get, get home, I probably shouldn't be saying this on the air, but I'm going to change all my online passwords to Splogs Nick, Nick, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nitzelmai. Did I say that right? Yeah, you did. So S-P-L-A-G. Nitzomai. Splachnitzomai. This is fun to say. It is fun to say. <laughs> <laughs> and remind us one more time what that means, because sometimes we get so excited about the word, we go, okay, tell me again what it means. Yeah, it means lower intestines, our bowels. Okay. So that's the literal meaning, the yeah. metaphorical meaning. It, it's, it's, it's feeling with compassion. It's feeling with empathy. Uh, it really is feeling with somebody, yeah. what they're going through. And this is what this Samaritan felt. He felt what this guy was going through. And I, I would imagine he thought to himself, what would I want somebody to do for me yeah. if I had been waylaid by wa- robbers like this man? I mean, isn't there a passage in Scripture that basically says, I love you with my liver? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure. Maybe it's in Leviticus. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Dr. Randy Nelson is my guest. We're in our Red Word series. So the words of Jesus And if you've got your Bibles open, you're in Luke chapter 10 with us, starting in verse 30 through 35. Follow along, and we'll be right back. Uh, Always open to taking a question if you have one, 877-933-2484. Be right back. 
we would love for you to share your story about why you love Faith Radio and what has Faith Radio changed the way you think about something or even how you live. We want to hear from you. Your story can encourage others and glorify God. Share what you love about Faith Radio by calling 877-933-2484 and leaving a message today. We're back with Dr. Randy Nelson. We're continuing our Red Word series, Words of Jesus. And we are in Luke chapter 10. And we're in verse 30 through 35. And if you just climbed in your car or just turned on the radio, thank you for joining me and Randy. And I'll just read it because it's five verses. We'll just bring you up to speed one more time. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to a place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii. I just learned how to say that correctly today. I would say denarii, and Randy has corrected me to denarii, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. What a beautiful, generous man. Yeah, and and uh, he, he's a role model for us. What does it mean to be a member of God's kingdom? Uh, most of Jesus' parables are prefaced with these words, the kingdom of God is like. And then he tells the parables. The parables aren't about farming. They're not about vineyards. They're not about uh, wedding banquets. They're illustrations of God's kingdom. Uh, I've heard the definition of a parable as an earthly story with a spiritual meaning. I think that's true. Maybe it's a an earthly story with a kingdom meaning. Uh, so don't get hung up on the story. Don't get hung up on the details. There's a main point. And there's actually two points in this particular parable. I think Jesus does answer the question, who is my neighbor? And the answer is, anyone that God puts in your path in need, that is now your neighbor. Uh, and you don't get to decide if they deserve your help. Uh, you don't get to decide if they're going to reciprocate your help. You simply help them. Uh, And the model we have is God. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends his reign on the righteous and the unrighteous. We're to be merciful and kind like our Heavenly Father is Mm -hmm. merciful. Uh, That's our example. That's our standard. Now, the way this parable ends is Jesus asks a question uh, to the, uh, the scribe, this teacher of the law. He says, which of these three, right? You've got the Levite, the priest, and the Samaritan. Which of these three was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the scribe replied, the one who had mercy on him, uh, he can't even bring himself to say that the Samaritan was the good guy in the story, but he said the one who had mercy on him, and Jesus says, go and do likewise. Again, we've got the question answered, who is my neighbor? Well, anybody who God puts in your path, uh, the word here is uh, uh, happened, they happened across this man. I, I like to think of divine appointments. 
God has you in the right place at the right time, and, and he's going to use you if you're open to it uh, and if you follow Jesus' teachings. Uh, but there's a second question here that Jesus answers that I think is just as important. And the second question is, how should I love my neighbor? So my neighbor is anyone in need that God brings across my path. But the more important question, our equally important question is, how should I love my neighbor? How did the Samaritan love this man who had been waylaid by robbers? He felt for him. He felt mm. compassion for him. And again, this isn't mere sentimentality. Uh, he had genuine concern for this man's plight. And more than that, he did something about it. He, he uh, I, I suppose, took time out of his day. He uh, used up his expenses all to care for this man that was a complete stranger to him. He didn't know who the man was. Uh, and like, likely this man was a Jew. And he's a Samaritan. He's helping, he's helping somebody that hated him. Uh, mm-hmm. And yet he puts all that aside, uh, and the man may not deserve it. Uh, the man may not be worthy of it. Uh, the man probably is not going to be able to reciprocate, and yet this guy sacrificially, unconditionally cares for him, much the way our Heavenly Father cares for us. Uh, what a beautiful role model for us. Well, we talked early, Randy, in the start of, the, of this interview about you, you said you have a tendency of kind of running it through the common sense filter. You evaluate a situation uh, who is this person? Are they going to be taking advantage of me? Is it a dangerous situation? If I got out of my car, you know, would I be in trouble? Would I get it, put myself at risk? And it's, there's the common sense filter that you got to factor into this, right? I, I would agree 100%. I think we have to have discernment, and we do live in a, a dangerous world, and we have to be uh, concerned about stranger danger. Uh, sometimes we have to help from a distance. Uh, somebody is pulled over, their car is broken down, call for help. Right. Uh, don't just drive by, call for help. Uh, again, it could be dangerous to stop and help somebody. Uh, my dad was full-blooded uh, Norwegian, and I, I don't know if it was just the Nelson uh, strand of uh, Norwegian, but we have a tendency towards cynicism. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so uh, I, I see somebody who needs help. Uh, all these thoughts are coming into my mind about why this person needs help. Uh, and, and like you, I'm afraid that I'm going to be taken advantage of. And, and what I see Jesus calling us to is to, is to put that aside. Uh, and, and to help uh, somebody the way we would want to be helped. Assume that we could be in that position, you know, there but by the grace of God, go I, I think is, is a really good attitude to have uh, toward people in need. Uh, but again, I, I, I would encourage people to, to exercise discernment. Right? You don't want to put yourself in danger uh, helping other people, uh, but you also don't want to ignore people in need. So I think there are things that you can do uh, maybe from a distance. Mm-hmm. And, and clearly the Samaritan and the Jews were enemies, and it would have been uh, so unusual for a Samaritan to want to try to help a Jew in that much need. Yeah, I don't know if you saw the movie uh, uh, Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson or read his book. I didn't either. Uh, uh, there's a great quote in there, uh, and it's really a tough quote. It really challenges me, uh, convicts me as well. He said, if you want to minister like Jesus, get proximate to suffering. Everything inside me cries to run away from suffering. Mm-hmm. And yet, I, I think Stevenson is right. I, I think he's absolutely right. Did Jesus run away from suffering? It seems to me he ran right into the thick of it, uh, and he ministered to people. And if we want to be like Jesus and want to minister like him, we need to get proximate to suffering. I also think it's much like trying to get comfortable with discomfort. Yeah, it's, it's definitely outside of our comfort zone, it, isn't it, it? Oh, of course it is. Yeah, But if we can figure out a way to be more comfortable with discomfort, we might be able to take that next step. And it helps us grow, 
right? You want to be more like Jesus. Uh, it's like a muscle, right? You've got to you've got to challenge a muscle to get it to grow. And I think yep. the same thing with faith. You've got to challenge it. Uh, you want to be more like Jesus. It's going to take some work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, such a good point. All right, Dr. Randy Nelson is my guest. We're continuing our series in the words of Jesus. Then we are in Luke uh, 10. And I, I learned before the show that the story of the Good Samaritan only appears in Luke. So it's quite a un- unique story. It is. It's really good. And uh, I don't know how much time we have, but uh, I'd love to... Three minutes to Three the minutes. Yeah. Okay. So there's a story that follows right after this, a story of Mary and Martha, which is really ironic because in this story, Martha loves her neighbor. She shows hospitality to Jesus and his disciples, opens her house up. She does exactly what we're supposed to do in the story of the Good Samaritan, and yet Jesus chastises her. And the one who sits down at his feet is the one who is vindicated. How is that possible? Mm-hmm. Why is Martha uh, chastised when she's showing love to her neighbor, and here Mary is vindicated, and she's not helping with the neighbor? Isn't that an interesting question? Mm-hmm. There's work to do. There's work to do. So there are actually two things that, uh, uh, the two greatest commandments, to love God and love neighbor. Uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan illustrates the second of the two, to love your neighbor. This story of Mary and Martha illustrates the second one, or the first commandment, to love God. Uh, and they're not in competition with each other, but God demands first place. Uh, he demands, and Jesus demands, priority. So when Mary chose to sit at the feet of Jesus, the position of a disciple, she chose the better way than Martha, even though Mary, Martha's doing a good thing. Martha's not doing something evil. She's doing something really good. In fact, a great illustration of the parable of the Good Samaritan, but there's still something better. And that something better is to love God by sitting at the feet of Jesus and learning. Mm. Now, she would have been putting herself in a position of mm, the other men in the room, might have been the only other people with Jesus. Yeah. And now here's a woman at his feet. Now, this is in, in Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, Luke has already prepared us for this. Jesus had multiple female disciples. Uh, this would have been uh, controversial. That's probably an understatement. Uh, rabbis back then, if you wanted to study under them and follow them around and learn from them, you better be Jewish, you better be male, and you better be from the upper class. Jesus' approach was much different Follow me. Open mm-hmm. invitation. Didn't matter what your gender was. Didn't matter what your ethnicity was. Didn't matter what your social level was. This invitation was open to everybody, including women. So here we are in chapter 10. I don't think the disciples are too deci- or the men disciples aren't totally surprised by this female disciple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love Jesus's approach more than any other approach. Absolutely. Yeah, I figure you would agree. All right, we're going to take a little break. Dr. Randy Nelson is my guest. And if you uh, are... Uh, wanting to learn more about Jesus, you can text the word faith to 41224. And if you just think, you know what? I want to learn more about Jesus and what it means to begin a relationship with Christ, or you want to chat with someone about it, you can, again, text the word faith to 41224. 41224. I'll be right back with Dr. Randy Nelson in just a minute.
It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time, let's get it started. Jump in your car, what's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Welcome to the show. I've got Dr. Randy Nelson right here with me in studio. And we are in our Red Word series. We try to do that Wednesdays at this time. And we want to only focus on the words of Jesus. So if you have a red letter edition Bible and you open it up, if you see a red word, that means Jesus spoke it. And that's what we're trying to focus on. And so far, we are covering uh, the Good Samaritan in Luke 10. And we've also scooted down to the home of Martha and Mary. But Randy, if I can, let's maybe talk about the strangers that God brings into your life. I'm going to be a good Samaritan. You know, how does that work? Yeah, it, it, it's hard. And again, if you're if you're if you're more cynical, it's even and harder. Uh, but I do think God brings people into our paths. I do believe in divine appointments. Uh, my life verse is actually a proverb. Proverb sixteen nine: The mind of man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. And I and I truly believe that. Uh, the first part of my Christian walk probably emphasized the first part of that proverb: the mind of man plans his ways. Because I'm a planner, I like to organize things. But the second part of my faith journey has been more about the latter: the Lord directs his steps. And so I've learned to make plans, but I've learned to hold them loosely. And I've also looked for those divine appointments where I, I'm in the right place at the wrong time. I mean, there are times where you feel like you're the wrong place at the wrong time, and a lot of crimes happen <laughs> mm-hmm. that way. But they're also, if you really believe in God's sovereignty, if you believe in God's providence, he's going to bring people in your path. Uh, and sometimes these are people you know, sometimes they're strangers. Uh, and he, you might have something that person needs. It might be the right word at the right time. It may be... Uh, some kind of encouragement. You may be able to help them out some way, but it's exactly what they need. And God is using you to bless that person, and I want to be more open to doing that. Uh, there's a, a passage I like in Hebrews 13.2. It says, Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. I think God tests us. Uh, and there are times where I feel like, okay, Lord, I think I passed that test. And other times where I feel like, yeah, I probably could have done that better. Uh, by the way, the word for entertain there doesn't mean dance. Uh, it means to show hospitality. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. Uh, one of my favorite movies, and, and you probably saw it, was with uh, Mark Wahlberg uh, called Lone Survivor. Mm-hmm. So uh, in the time of Jesus, even in the Middle East today, uh, if a, a stranger comes to your house— You show hospitality. It's a great virtue. Uh, Hotels are few and far between, between, uh, and so you would provide shelter, food, and safety for this person. In that movie, you might remember, uh, his his team of Navy SEALs gets killed, everybody except for him. He happens into this small village, and they decide to take him in, and they protect him against the Taliban uh, to their own hazard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the commitment they have, uh, even to a stranger. And it's the kind of commitment that I'd like to have as well, is to, is to be hospitable to strangers. Uh, and, and maybe I'm entertaining an angel. Uh, maybe I'm entertaining the person that God wants me to entertain, because, again, I believe in divine appointments. Mm-hmm. And maybe it, it, it's as simple as taking an extra beat or loitering a little bit, because that way you have a chance to observe something. Maybe there's some suffering or something you can do in a safe environment, right? Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't have to be a person laying on the ground bleeding, right? <laughs> it could be a person at a coffee shop who's in tears, yeah, sitting absolutely. alone in tears. Yeah. And if you just grab your cup and leave, that's one thing. But if you go, I'm going to take an extra beat here and maybe go say, hey, 
is there something I could help help you with? Do you remember who wrote the book Margins? No. Uh, we had him cut to Northwestern one time, and uh, I was really convicted by the, the, the book because I, I tend to overload my schedule. And basically what he was saying is you need to leave margins in your life for God to work. If you're so busy, you're not going to see those things where people need you. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have time for them. Uh, and so to leave margins in, in your schedule uh, and in your finances as well. You can't help somebody if you're uh, stretched to the limit in your own finances. But if you have the resources of time and money, you've made um, uh, those things available, uh, you can help people. Uh, you can be the right person uh, at the right time in the right place. And Randy, what about just saying, I need to make sure I'm interruptible? I like that. Uh, I like that. I'm I'm interruptible. I think that's Isn't good. there a lot of Jesus's ministry while he was on the way to Absolutely. something happened? Yep. And and there were times, you know, like the uh, the parents wanted to bring their children to be blessed by Jesus and uh, the disciples tried to protect him, kind of an exclusivist approach and Jesus said, "Let the children come to me." <laughs> uh, Jesus had time for everybody. Now he he was exhausted by the end of the day, uh, fell asleep in a boat during a storm. Yeah. Yeah. How do you do that? <laughs> you know, unless he thought everything's going to be all right. You know, this boat's not going down. The Son of God uh, is on it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he's exhausted, uh, and he's trusting his Heavenly Father, and off they go. Uh, yeah. The disciples didn't have the same attitude, of course. Yeah. You know, I always think of that story, though, and if you've been on a flight and you've hit a little turbulence, and even if you're kind of half asleep, yeah. you're not anymore, right? Yep, that'll wake you up. Yeah, wake so you up. you're on a boat in a raging storm, and you're sound asleep. That's faith. Yeah. 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 So, all right. Randy Nelson is my guest. We're in our Red Word series, and we're in Luke chapter 10. We have some more uh, more to mine out of Luke 10? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a lot more. Uh, maybe a little bit of humor here. Uh, okay. There are a lot of different ways to interpret parables. Uh, some people uh, try to literalize the parables. That's not good because Jesus said we were to bind the strong man before we rob their house. And if we literalize that, we're going to be really good Christian burglars. Uh, so you don't <laughs> uh-huh. want to literalize the parables. The other extreme is to allegorize the parables. And, and Augustine's interpretation is, is hilarious. So here's his interpretation. Uh, the main character in the parable of the Good Samaritan is Adam. Uh, the Jerusalem from which he comes is the city of heavenly peace. The Jericho to which he's going is the moon, which symbolizes our morality. The robbers in the story of the devil and his angels, when they stripped the man, they took away his immortality. When they beat the man, they persuaded him to sin. When they left the man for dead, he was spiritually dead. The priest is the Old Testament law. The Levite is the Old Testament prophets. The good Samaritan, of course, is Christ. When the wounds are bound, it's the restraint upon sin. The oil is the comfort of good hope. The wine is the exhortation to work. The beast is the body of Christ. The inn is the church. The two denarii are the two greatest commandments. The innkeeper is the apostle Paul. And, of course, the return of the Samaritan is the resurrection of Christ. What do you think? That's really good. And I can see you're a graduate of the speed reading course. Oh, uh, but, you know, there are extremes. Again, when you when you interpret parables, you look for the main point. Right. Uh, and fortunately, in this parable, I think there were two main points, who my neighbor is and how I should love my neighbor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. All right. Um, I, I, that was fascinating, by the way. Really, really fun. Um, let's go back, if we can, to... The strangers, uh, again, because I, I still think that there's more to discuss on that because when God puts strangers in your path, um, it's the discerning element of this stranger is uh, someone I can take a risk on and, and other strangers are, 
I think this doesn't feel safe to me, and that's okay, isn't it, Randy? And, and, and I think we, we used the word discernment earlier, and I think you've got to follow your gut on this. If, if there's some, some red flags, I think you need to be careful. Uh, my cousin Jerry passed away a couple of years ago, and at his funeral, somebody said that Jerry uh, never met a stranger. Uh, and, and I think that's true. He was a friend to everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but again, you, you've got to be cautious uh, because there are people out there who want to take advantage of you. And unfortunately, there are people out there who want to hurt you. Uh, I like to believe they're the exception, not the rule. Uh, but you, you've got to be careful. Uh, but I, I think we need to be more open to uh, cultivating new friends. I, I mean, uh, surely our circle of friends isn't closed. Uh, perhaps God has somebody in mind. And, and it may just be a passing friend where we say the right word or we provide them with some resources. And it's just what they need to get back on their feet. And they receive it as a gift from God. I, uh, don't we want to be a part of that transaction? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would assume in, in this uh, time, in the first century, there, this guy is equipped to bandage wounds, uh, address wounds, pouring on oil and wine. I suppose there wasn't a paramedic you called. Yeah, no paramedics. Uh, they didn't have cell phones to call 911 and do all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. There's so many ways that we can help today without uh, getting involved and maybe placing ourselves in danger. Uh, but I, I think that we... Uh, need to be open, you know, again, that the, the priest, Levite, and the Samaritan, they happened up, upon the man. That word is its so small, uh, but we miss it. Uh, and again, I think we miss opportunities because we're so busy. We've got our nose in a book or something else, and we're preoccupied. And here's somebody that God has brought in your path who has a need, and God wants to meet that need, and he wants to meet that need through you. Mm-hmm. Are, are you going to help him? Or are you going to be too busy? That's pretty convicting. It is. It's very convicting. And haven't we all heard spectacular stories of stranger encounters that turned into something profound? Imagine the reunion in heaven. Oh, it's going to be amazing. How how many people we're going to come up to have helped us along the way, and how many people are going to come up to us, and we're not even going to remember them. But Mm -hmm. there's something we said, something we did that turned their life around, Mm -hmm. put them on a different uh, course, uh, and uh, it's, it's just wonderful to be a part of that. And when you hear stories in the news where you, you think to yourself, clearly that's a good Samaritan story, yep. uh, it just fires all these uh, dopamine in your brain going, that is fantastic. You almost wish that that could be something you could do with such a great outcome, yep. right? And there's risk involved. Yeah, I there's, know. Back there's, to that. Yeah. There is risk involved, and it's, it's outside of a lot of our comfort zones. Um, and, and again, I think most of us are afraid of being uh, taken advantage of. Um, but that's okay. It, it, it's God's resources. God has given us the time. If we have breath in life, God has given that to us. If we have financial resources, God has given that to us. It's His, right? Right, right. And, and we need to use it for His, His glory. Yeah. You know, Randy, I think it's uh, worth bringing Rosie into the conversation because uh, as a woman, Rosie— Mm-hmm. How do you feel about some of these uh, things we've talked about? Helping well, I think strangers. You, I think you've nailed it on the head. I used to, prior cell phones, yes. Um, everybody in this room remembers that season. I used to pull over and help people. And when I was married, um, my husband said, love your heart. That can't happen anymore. So what he gave me a different instruction, you know, go to the yeah. next gas station, roll down your window, say you're going to go get help, do something along those lines. And so as a woman, it's very tenuous um, to put ourselves in those positions. But I think there's so many ways that we can help within the parameters of safety. 
And um, and the Holy Spirit, when you're connected to the Holy Spirit, he, he tells you what's dangerous and what's not. I, I like that. And I had the same conversation with my wife. Well, we were dating. Uh, she was driving in the rain, and she saw, I think it was three guys, uh, you know, walking along in the rain, pulled over and gave them a ride. Yeah. I said, that was nice. Don't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. that, that just happened to me at Holiday, actually. The gentleman approached my car, and I was getting filling up with gas, and he said, can you give me a ride? And I didn't have any cash. And I said, sir, I can't. And he said, oh, he goes, it looks like you were going to. And I said, I'm a woman. I can't, I can't do that. But what I can do is go into the gas station and see if anybody has any cash for an Uber for you or something. And, you know, no one did because it's a cashless society, basically. But, yeah. um, you know, that's about as far as we took it. Yeah. yeah. I had a, a, a woman once walk. I saw her on the side of the road and she was, you know, had two groceries bags and moving slow and it was a, kind of a cold wintry evening um so it was cold and snowing a little bit and got to the the stoplight and she was at the stoplight and she walked up to my car and i rolled my window down and i said hello she said would you give me a ride and i said sure <laughs> you know and she was in her 80s and had had a stroke and had n- really no one to help her Mm. And I said, "Can I do this again? I mean, if you like need a ride to a doctor's appointment or something." So, for I don't know a year or so, I gave her rides, and that's awesome. I mean, it was one of those things. It was one of those strangers that got put in my life, though. But you were open to it. it yeah, been, it would have been easy to say no and mm. and uh, to drive away. It would have been hard in some ways, but it uh, would have been hard. But yeah. also, I could have done it. But yeah. something said, "Yeah." I'll, give you a, a ride, you know, I didn't feel threatened in any way, but yeah, it was one of those strangers I think God put in my path. I, I like that phrase, divine appointments. And, and, uh, the more I have my eyes open, the more I'm aware uh, that there are these divine appointments that people are brought in my life. And, and, uh, to be honest, sometimes it's the other way around. People are brought in my life to minister to me. That's so true. Uh, they say something and it's like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, no I need, kidding. I needed to hear that. No kidding. Dr. Randy Nelson is my guest. We're going to take a break and we come back, continue our Red Word series. We're in Luke chapter 10, the story of the Good Samaritan. Still more to find out about the Good Samaritan. We'll be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. Randy and I are having a great time, Rosie, too, talking about Luke chapter 10, so the words of Jesus in our Red Word series, and I so enjoyed that thing you read that had sort of a comedic uh, content to it. Augustine's uh, uh, allegorical interpretation yeah. of the Bible. Now, oh, yeah. can, I, can I request that one more time at a slightly slower pace? Do you have it a, a easily yeah. accessible? Yeah, yeah. So... 
Augustine, like some of the other, other early church fathers, they uh, ha- uh, took an allegorical approach to interpreting both the Old Testament and some of the parables of Jesus. So Augustine went through the parable of the Good Samaritan, and in every detail he saw a spiritual meaning. So the main character in the story, the guy who gets waylaid by robbers, is none other than Adam. The Jerusalem from which he's coming is the city of heavenly peace. The Jericho to which he is going is the moon, which symbolizes our morality. I have no idea how he comes up with this. Yeah, stuff, but okay. okay. Uh, the robbers in the story are the devil and his angels. When they stripped the man, they took away his immortality. When they beat the man, they persuaded him to sin. When they left him for dead, it was spiritually dead. The priest represents the Old Testament law. The Levite represents the Old Testament prophets. The good Samaritan of the story is none other than Christ himself. Uh, when the wounds are bound, it's the restraint upon sin. The oil is the comfort of good hope. The wine is the exhortation to work. Uh, the beast upon which the man is, is placed is the body of Christ. The inn is the church. The two denarii are the two greatest commandments. The innkeeper, of course, is the apostle Paul. And the return of the Samaritan is the resurrection of Christ. Wow. That is really fascinating. It's I, I put it in my hilarious category. I, I don't I don't know if I'd put it in my fascinating category, but I I tell my students that this is one of the ways to misinterpret the parables. You don't want to press the details. Again, there's usually a a main point or a couple of main points to a parable. Uh, my students often ask me, well, why, why did, Dr. Nelson, why did Jesus talk in parables? Why didn't he just uh, you know use straightforward prose? Well, the literacy rate in the first century was three percent. Mm-hmm. So how do you pass along information from person to person and generation to generation? You do it by oral tradition. How do you make oral tradition memorable? You paint pictures with words. Right. And Jesus was a master orator. And, and he took everyday events like farming, shepherding, vineyards, fishing, wedding banquets, cooking, uh, and he used them as illustrations for God's kingdoms. I, I mean, people could relate, but you don't want to allegorize them. The other thing we just talked about, you don't, you don't want to uh, literalize them either. Uh, do you leave 99 sheep to go after one sheep? If you're a, a sole shepherd by yourself, probably not. Uh, do you give your inheritance early to a wayward son? Probably not. Uh, if you're sowing seeds as a farmer, you just randomly scatter them around, some in the thorn bushes, some on shallow ground, some in rocky soil. No, you're much more careful than that. The the parables are exaggerations. They're, they're figures of speech, and you need to be able to distinguish the story from the meaning, uh, Jesus isn't, isn't trying to teach how to be a better farmer, a better shepherd, uh, uh, how to be a better vineyard owner, how to be a good fisherman. He's trying to teach you about God's kingdom. Uh, again, a lot of the parables are prefaced with this phrase, the kingdom of God is like. And then Jesus tells the parable. The parable is a similitude. It, uh, it's an illustration, an analogy of what God's kingdom is. Mm-hmm. And so if we're going to be kingdom people, we need to be like the Good Samaritan. Randy, when we mentioned the shepherd who leaves the 99 in search of the one. I, I've, maybe I've understood this incorrectly, but I always have thought that the shepherd, due to his diligence and care and love, have secured those 99 and have them in an environment where they're safe. And then I'm going to go look for that one. Yeah, it'd be great if the parable said that. I, I would agree. <laughs> I would agree. I would agree. But it, it is hard to sort of, so well, how, how does this make sense? I, yeah. I leave 99 and I come back and there's 17 left because the wolves came. <laughs> uh, again, the, the problem is we're trying to literalize the parables. I, I get it. So yeah. I got I to gotta yeah. stop. So we got to gotta move away from that again. Yeah, you don't want to bind the strong men because you're going to rob their house, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So even when it says in uh, 
verse 35 of Luke 10, uh, look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you have. And of course, my mind thinks, well, he's just got a one-day business meeting and he's back. He might have been gone for a year or six months. Who knows? And think about this. This is a Samaritan, so he probably lives in Samaria. Uh, and so, uh, don't go making common sense, Randy. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, that's true. They don't want to literalize it too much, but yeah, he's probably not going to be back for a while. The two denarii, by the way, would have covered about two weeks worth of uh, in uh, being at an inn, being okay. at a hotel. Yeah. Uh, that's helpful. Yeah, so we've got about a two weeks there, and then come uh, back. And if there's any other expenses incurred, he's going to take care of it. Yeah. Okay. That, that's okay. I did not. I did not connect those dots. So thank you for that. Yeah. Another a good measure of how far a two denar- denarii would stretch. So now you know about money and uh, you know some Greek and you've got a new favorite Greek word. I know. I'm a little freaked out on the Greek word. Splag, not still me. Rose, you want to give it a try? No, not no, on not your right. life. Not on your life. Splachnitzomai. Splachnitzomai. It almost sounds a little bit German. It You're does have some spit in your uh, mouth to do it. Splachnitzomai. Splachnitzomai. There you go. See, that's you got it. That wasn't bad, was it? No. Yeah, and that's kind of the the, the deepest gut sort of the bowels, bowels the lower response. intestines. Yeah. yeah, this is where it all it emanates from. And. Uh, you know, and you probably feel that when you feel compassion or empathy for somebody, you kind of um, feel what they're going through. It kind of feels like it's coming down from your balls. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's that really deep visceral sort of feeling. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. All right. Let's go back because uh, we're still in Luke 10. Let's just revisit the home of Martha and, and Mary. I love the point you made, Randy, about the the inclusiveness for all people to follow Jesus. And I mean, this is a patriarchal society and only the, the, the men would be allowed in that section of the house to be sitting, learning from the rabbi and, and Mary just plops down and that's a okay with Jesus. Yeah. It's so counter-cultural. Um, and, and I would imagine that a lot of other rabbis were offended, uh, by what Jesus did. You know, he, uh, uh, he led a prostitute um, uh, rub oil on his feet. Uh, he went into the home of tax collectors, and this was so offensive to the Pharisees and other rabbis that Jesus would lower himself to this. Uh, back then, table fellowship was something important. You and I will have a meal together, and we really don't think about a person's social status or level. Back then, you didn't eat with somebody who was at a lower social level than you. You, you just didn't do it. Yeah, Jesus did. Mm-hmm. He, he met everybody where they were at, uh, and, he, and he ministered to everybody, and he welcomed anybody to be his disciple. And I do like that word, inclusivity. I think that's just a great way to capture uh, Jesus' invitation. Uh, he's very welcoming. It's an open invitation. Anybody can follow him. So when people say, well, Jesus was friends with sinners, yeah. what are they trying to get at, and what would you, what would you say to that? How would you respond? Yeah, so you and I would say that's a, a, a good thing. Uh, Jesus said it's uh, it's not the healthy you need a physician, it's the sick. Uh, the first step of 12-step program is acknowledgement. Uh, you can't change what you don't acknowledge, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Jesus met with sinners. Uh, but they were also the ones who responded to him. Uh, they were also the ones who repented. Uh, those who had been marginalized by society, those who were in the lower rung of the social ladder, they seemed to be very receptive to Jesus' message, but he didn't exclude those who were in the upper class. You think about the rich young ruler. Uh, Jesus met with him. Uh, didn't turn out well, but the story of Zacchaeus, a wealthy tax collector. 
Here you have a man who repents, uh, and he becomes a, a part of God's kingdom, and he becomes a disciple of Jesus. So the message was open to everybody, open invitation, uh, but it was it was mostly from the lower class, uh, people that responded to him. Mm-hmm. So the friends with sinners doesn't mean that he's condoning their behavior, but he is he's with them. Yeah, so you think about the, the, the story of the, the woman caught in adultery, uh, go and leave your life of sin. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say go and continue to be an adulteress. Right. Yeah, and uh, same thing with this parable. Go and do likewise. You know, so don't keep doing what you're doing. Uh, if you're involved in sin, you need to break free from that. Jesus loves you the way we loves you the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay stay that way. Mm-hmm. And we all need to grow. Uh, none of us are like Jesus yet, and so we need to continue to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes when I remember the "What would Jesus do?" bracelets and that little movement, I always think, well, Jesus would say, "Go forth and sin no more." Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that's so true. Um, and, and it's hard, you know, and uh, people have addictions and, um, you know, we inherit different things from our family of origin and our culture. Uh, and we have proclivities. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all sinners. Yeah. But we sin in different areas to different degrees. Mm-hmm. So good to have you here, Randy. Thank you for saying yes to my invitation. It's, it's been a blast. I, uh, I've had a lot of fun. Good. And your mom's listening. So yeah. I want to say hi to mom. Hey, Mom, uh, Barbara Nelson, and uh, thanks for listening. Yeah, that's great. All right, that is our show for the day. I'm so glad uh, that Randy was here and uh, Scott Hubbard and Kia Stevens. If you missed any of it, I encourage you to head over to the podcast and check it out at myfaithradio.com. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.